You mean, so? let me understand this, because I don't you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? I make you laugh? I'm here to fucking amuse you? What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the fuck out of here, to Tommy. <laughs> you motherfucker. I almost had him. I almost had him. From Chicago, this is The Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, though some women would have gotten out of here the minute their boyfriend gave them a gun to hide, is my lovely wife Nakia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. On today's episode, we're sitting down for Nakia's first viewing of Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas from 1990. But Nakia, first, I thought we would talk a little bit about the Oscars. The Oscar nominations came out this week, Mm -hmm. and though I have sort of fallen out of love or even like with the Oscars, (laughs) and though I am way behind on catching up with all of the nominees this year, I thought it was still worth it to take a few minutes and just take a brief look at the nominations. Okay. And maybe the way to start is for me to play you this clip from an episode we recorded almost a year ago. Uh, This was the episode when we did a Black Hero double feature of Shaft and Black Panther. (laughs) And this is you talking about Ruthie Carter, the costume designer for Black Panther. Okay. She was nominated for an Academy Award in costume design for both Malcolm X and Amistad. And if she does not, actually, if she does not win (laughs) the next Oscar for costume design, it's a fucking crime. I I, I need to prepare you now that movies like this do not win a lot of of Oscars of any kind. But costume design? Wonder Woman was completely shut out of the Oscars this year. But I I really don't understand how Ruthie Carter does not win an Oscar. Okay, so... I stand by that. (laughs) I was happily wrong about... Movies like Black Panther not getting any Oscar love. So I'm right all the time. Well, no, because it's still it still maybe isn't going to win anything. But Black Panther got seven nominations, Mm -hmm. including Ruthie Carter for costume design. Yes. Uh, The film was also nominated for sound editing, sound mixing, production design, score, song, and best picture. This is Carter's third nomination, and it's the first nomination for production designer Hannah Beachler. Who's also amazing. Who becomes the first black woman ever nominated in that category. Mm-hmm. She is amazing. She was the production designer on Ryan Coogler's previous movie, Creed. She did Barry Jenkins' Moonlight, and she did Beyonce's Lemonade. I mean... So, what more? It's a, I mean, really, she won the award with <laughs> Lemonade, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Okay, so we won't go through all the categories, but let's just glance through the list and see if anything leaps out at us to talk about. Okay. What have you seen this year? (laughs) I'm pretty sure the list is pretty small. It is. I mean, it should surprise all listeners of this podcast that I haven't seen shit. And I tend to go into these award ceremonies saying that I'm rooting for everybody black. And at this juncture, it is the only people that I can root for because I think... (laughs) Because you saw Those are the only films that I've seen. So I've seen Black Panther, Black Klansman, and If Beale Street Could Talk. (laughs) If Black Street Could Talk. (laughs) I was very, you know, selective about my time this year. (laughs) Okay. And of those, Black Klansman is nominated for Best Picture, Mm -hmm. Best Director. It is the first time Spike Lee has been nominated in either category. Which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Do the Right Thing was notoriously snubbed in both of those categories in 1989. Because of Driving Miss Fucking Daisy. Yeah. (laughs) Which, Um, given that he's (laughs) in a category with Green Book, is just right for... (laughs) You you want to talk about Green Book? (laughs) I haven't seen... Well, actually, hold on. First of all, let's talk about Black Klansman. Yes. What what did you think of Black Klansman? I think you liked it better than I did. I did. I thought Black Klansman was good. I mean, it, it, it sort of had all of those sort of spikely 
tropes, the tracking shots and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I don't know that I loved it as much as everyone else did. And I this probably wouldn't be the Spike Lee film that I would nominate for Best Picture. No, that's where I am, too. I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed yeah. the movie. I didn't think it was saying anything mm-hmm. particularly uh, interesting mm-hmm. or revolutionary. Yeah. I thought it got a lot of its power from tacking real-life the images, news footage yeah. right onto the end of it yeah. so you left the theater feeling a certain way yeah. that was a powerful moment yeah uh, it was a powerful moment but i didn't feel like the movie before that earned that mm-hmm. powerful moment mm-hmm. so while i you know on principle root for spike he to succeed in all the things, <laughs> yes. and he absolutely needs a makeup oscar yes. uh i won't be as revolted to see black Klansman shut out as i was to see do the right thing unless green book wins and then i'm well green off. okay so now let's now let's talk about green book which neither of us have seen i am on probably principle. going to have to watch it just because i like to if i'm going to be really self-righteously angry about something mm-hmm. i like to feel justified See, I don't, I don't want to leave myself open to, but have you seen the movie? And I'm like, well, no, I haven't seen yeah, the movie. Yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, no, you're comfortable <laughs> not doing that. So let's hear what you have to say. I mean, Green Book is another film in a long line of films that are about black people as sort of props in the enlightenment of white people, particularly racial enlightenment mm-hmm. of white people. Um, so, For example, Driving Miss Daisy. For example, Driving Miss Daisy. For example, The Hell. For example, Crash. And so it's just, <laughs> so we just, there are long lines of these films and it's just old as hell. It's not a particularly interesting story. And I mean, we watched the Golden Globes and is it Peter Farrelly, the director? Yes. He, his speech was all about how this film was going to sort of bridge divide, racial divides. And, you know, and so it's it's promoting this idea that, oh, well, if everyone could just get a black friend, then there wouldn't right. be any racism in America. And like, that's, you know, it's not our and job. I'm sorry. Do we look to the director of Shallow Hal to solve racism in but America? I don't want, I'm not even boxing him in in that way. That's, it's you know, him directing that doesn't preclude him from directing something interesting or incisive around race. It's just this ain't it. And the fact that the writer of the film, who is the son of the character that Viggo Mortensen plays, mm -hmm. you know, they uncovered some xenophobic tweets (laughs) from him where, you know, he basically co-signed Donald Trump's uh, notions that, you know, there were Muslims and Arab Americans that were applauding uh, Mm -hmm. the 9-11 attack, which is just disgusting and horrifying. So, you know, obviously that enlightenment didn't trickle down to him. So I just... Well, the the person I feel bad for is Mahershala well, Ali. he's already issued sort of one... Who is... He's, <laughs> he's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He won at the Golden Globes. He's won a bunch of awards already for this. Yeah. This may be his second Oscar mm-hmm. in this category. And he looks embarrassed yeah. every time he gets up there to accept an award. And in fact, he issued an apology to the family of the character Mm -hmm. he is playing. Mm -hmm. Yes, because they um, were were sort of very public in saying that no one had consulted them during the development of this film and that it was not an accurate portrayal of Don Shirley's life, or at least that sort of period of his life. I think the film sort of portrays him as a black man far removed from blackness, and he mm-hmm. had to sort of be introduced to fried chicken by Viggo Mortensen's character, yeah, yeah. And this sort of thing. And so making Don Shirley the sort of sidekick in his own story uh-huh. <laughs> is a little bit odd to me. And then not doing that story service by being, you know, um, accurate and authentic is a problem. And then, fine, if it's going to be the story of Viggo Mortensen's character, maybe don't call it Green Book, which that title, mm-hmm. you know, is about that Green Books were an actual thing. Those right. were, you know, books that African-Americans used to n- sort of know, you know, the, the places they could travel and the restaurants they could go right. to. And the, the it was it was a. It was this underground travel right. book for black Americans. Right, to know which So they could know what towns they could yeah, go through and them. not be killed. So to call it Green Book and then make it a story that's actually about the Viggo Mortensen character and his sort of role in bringing Don Shirley to blackness <laughs> and his own awakening <laughs> around race, it's just sort of, you know, I can see why 
his family would be upset. And I can see why Mahershala may be sort of struggling with how to, you know, celebrate his work. This isn't a ding on Mahershala, but also recognize that this may be like with Viola coming out this year saying, you know, the help was not, or last year, I guess it was the help. You know, she was not. Yeah. That was five not, years right, after. That was not the, the story movie. that she wanted to tell. Right. This may be Mahershala's the help. So. Yeah. Okay. And then Beale Street was the other movie yes. you actually saw this year. I loved Beale Street. I yes. did too. And I'm a little appalled that it yeah. didn't get more yeah. Oscar love. It was nominated for screenplay mm-hmm. and the music. Yeah. And I think that was it. Oh, and Regina King. Regina of King. Who has been getting, I think, she's been winning the yeah, awards. Yeah, I think she's got to be the front yeah, runner. Yeah, she's been doing really well. I love Regina King. She's genius in everything that she does. She elevates everything yeah. that she's in. But yeah, I think Beale Street, I feel like it wasn't widely released. I think the, the rollout think a lot for of it, saw it was slow. But I'm really surprised because, to me, coming on the back of Moonlight, it should have been like, oh, this is, you know, Barry Jenkins' follow-up to Moonlight. But been... that that may be part of the problem, too. Mm-hmm. And that's, we talk, when we watched Singing in the Rain, we talked about how Singing in the Rain wasn't nominated mm-hmm. because In American in Paris with Gene Kelly had won everything the year before. Yeah. So Moonlight may actually be hurting Beale Street this year. So the, you think the thinking is Barry got his and so... Barry got his, okay. right. We're not going to do that again. <laughs> interesting. Okay. I don't. I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, we don't do that with other directors. In oh, no, no, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, okay. Beale Street was just so lush and Barry Jenkins just has, and his whole sort of cinematography team, they have a way of lighting folks of color, particularly mm-hmm. black people, that is magical. And everyone in it, is amazing. Uh, Kiki Lane, Stephen James, Regina King, Coleman Domingo, who plays uh, Kiki Lane's father in it. I thought he was brilliant. So I just, yeah. And Brian Tyree Henry. And Bri- oh my God, Brian Tyree really Henry should have gotten a supporting actor nomination. Heartbreaking in that, just that one scene. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that Beale Street isn't getting more love because I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, it should have gotten a cinematography mm-hmm, nomination. Cinematography. It should have gotten a production design nomination. I, yeah, I was very disappointed in that. Okay, I haven't seen that much more than you have seen this year. And I, in previous years, I have done this thing where I scrambled trying to see every Oscar-nominated movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that this year. <laughs> Because I think I finally admitted that I don't enjoy it. Yeah. I end up seeing a lot of movies that I don't want to watch. Yeah. Anything I hadn't seen by this point, it was because I didn't want to. And usually when I finally do make myself watch them, my instincts were right. Right, right. Like like I said, I probably will watch Green Book, but I know I'm not going to like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not going to watch Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I did see Roma, which you have not seen yet. I have not. I need to sit down and watch Roma. I like Alfonso Cuaron, and um, it's on Netflix, so there really is no reason for yeah, me yeah, not no to ex- see it. No yeah. excuse. <laughs> I really liked it. I think it's a gorgeous film aesthetically. I didn't like it as much as a lot of people liked it. Mm-hmm. There's a little backlash against it that I kind of agree with. But Yelitsa Aparicio is nominated for Best Actress. She's the first Indigenous woman ever nominated for an Oscar. She was a preschool teacher who went to this casting call in Oaxaca, Mexico, sort of on a whim. So that's kind of an exciting story to see her go to the Oscars. My big issue with Roma is that it's going to beat what I think is my favorite movie of the year, Cold War, Mm. by Pavel Pawlikowski, um, who did Ida a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And Cold War is nominated for Best Foreign Language, which was expected, but it's also nominated for Best Cinematography and Best Director, which was unexpected. And I was very excited to see that, but it's going to lose all three of those categories to Roma, Roma, uh, which disappoints me. What else this year? Well, you saw The Favorite. I saw The Favorite. I really liked The Favorite. That, along with Roma, is the most nominated film of the year. They're tied with 10 nominations each. Mm -hmm. I really liked The Favorite. Um, I think Olivia Colman, I don't know what the odds makers are saying, but to me, she should be a lock for that award. Queens Um, tend to win. Queens do tend to win. She's sort of an unknown, though, to anyone who doesn't watch as much British television as I do. Okay. Sorry, for Americans who do not watch (laughs) as much British television as I do. I mean, anyone who watches British TV already knows that she's one of the greatest actors Mm -hmm. on the planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think probably Hollywood is not as familiar with her, so that could probably hurt her. Do you have a preference between Emma and Rachel? I gotta go Rachel on that one, I guess, if I'm choosing, but I don't think... Who else is in that category? I don't think either of them probably deserves to win. Well, Regina, I mean, that's Regina King's category. Oh, that's Regina King's category. Okay, so that's a (laughs) no-brainer. 
what else? I haven't seen Glenn Close's movie, but this is her seventh nomination without a win. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be disappointed to see her win, even though I haven't seen the movie and there's other people in that category that I like. I saw Paul Schrader's First Reformed. Um, he's nominated in screenplay, and right. that's another one. I actually didn't love the film, but that's a guy who needs a makeup Oscar. He wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote Raging Bull. Mm. Appropriate for this week, he's a frequent collaborator with Martin Scorsese. Um, and he's also a very good director in his own right. And this is his first nomination in any category oh, over wow. a 50-year career. Okay. So, again, that's going to be, that's one of those where it's just like, we owe you. We owe you something yeah. here, Paul. Let's talk some general sort of diversity stuff. For the 86th time in 91 years, no women were nominated yeah. for Best Director. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that there were... This is one of those years where I'm not sure there were obvious people left out. There were some very good smaller movies directed by women. Chloe Zhao's The Rider, Lynn Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here, Leave No Trace, Tamara Jenkins' Private Life. Those are not the sort of movies that were probably going to get nominated mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. They're smaller, independent, artsy movies. Sure. Uh, but the fact of the matter, it still just remains a was travesty. It, uh, can You Ever Forgive Me, directed by a woman? Yes, it was. Uh, Mariel Heller, who mm -hmm. did uh, a movie I really liked a few years ago called Diary of a Teenage Girl. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you're right. And that was nominated for... It was screenplay, and Melissa McCarthy is for leading role, and... Mm -hmm. um, Richard Grant for supporting, so I'm actually surprised that she didn't get a director nod yeah, for it. Yeah, you're right. That is an obvious oversight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I am at a point with award shows where it's just like, I am happy if people I like win, mm -hmm. but it almost feels like a lucky accident. Yeah. Because none of them have any credibility of any kind mm -hmm. at this point. Well, but I mean, the Oscars, what, a year ago or a couple of years ago, opened up there. They added sort of a more diverse group of mm -hmm. folks to their, their nominating board or wherever, whatever it's called. So theoretically, that should be, we should be seeing the fruits Yeah, of and that. I think we're seeing in the yeah. nominations, I think we're seeing some improvement. Mm -hmm. But when it comes right down to the voting, I'm still not sure mm. it has any real, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where when somebody you like wins, you feel like it's totally justified. And otherwise, you feel like the whole thing is meaningless. Right. It's it's also just, it's sounding like it's going to be a terrible show this year. Well, they <laughs> It's just been a fiasco from the start. That's there yeah. was the whole Kevin Hart hosting yeah. disaster, mm -hmm. which, as Tom and Lorenzo say, the Oscars are the gay Super Bowl. Right. Maybe don't try to shove this unapologetically homophobic yeah. comedian down our throats mm -hmm. as host. Now they're going with no host, and the rumors coming out are that they are going to streamline the evening they're going to be giving out awards, some Before of the, the less ceremony. important awards, mm -hmm. during commercial breaks. Oh, wow. So we'll come back from commercial to find out that they just gave the award for best cinematography. That's not like, fair. No, it's bullshit. And what they're doing is they're trying to appeal to people who are never going to watch the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Young people... Are never going to care. Right. At this point, the Oscars are never going to bring in Super Bowl ratings yeah. like they used to do. Yeah. It's not going to happen. What they are doing is alienating all the people who actually care about the Oscars, right. who actually care about movies, who actually care about honoring the craft of film. Yeah, it's... I'm I'm just not looking forward to it this year. I'm just here for the dresses. I know, and I'm getting to be like you. It's like, let's watch the red carpet and then maybe not even watch the award show. I just want to see Black Panther cast on the Oscars red carpet. That's, that's all I'm here it for. It is great that that movie came out so early that we get two whole yeah. award cycles yeah. of the Black Panther cast. And they're on the amazing every time they step on they the carpet. They, yeah, they kill everybody else. Yeah, so... That's really all I'm here for. Especially the men. Men are so I mean, boring on the red carpet. Chadwick has been amazing with his fashion. Michael He's, B. Jordan yes, has been great. They've been pushing the boundaries of traditional menswear, and it's been really just fun to watch. And I'm a fan of both of those gentlemen in suits. All right. Any final predictions for uh, Oscar night? I mean, this is such a, like, I'm very concerned that Green Book is going to win, but... <laughs> You know, you'll be asleep by that point. In the I probably anyway, will. So. Yeah, you'll wake me up and be like Green Book one, and I'll just swear and then go back to sleep. So, <laughs> just like every other year. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Thank you.
Well, it's my privilege. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about this movie we're going to watch today. And I don't think we need to... Let's let's not spend a lot of time on this. For one thing, we're running behind this week. Mm-hmm. We've got like, major construction noises happening in our apartment building. We're trying to sneak <laughs> stuff in in between. So just briefly, uh, what do you know about Goodfellas? Uh, it's about Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> What do you know you couldn't have learned from the title? Uh, I believe Ray Liotta. Is okay, in it. yeah. That is it. That's it. Yes. Okay. I imagine it's in New York. <laughs> Most things are. Okay, so this is Martin Scorsese, of course, mm-hmm. who, again, segueing from our Oscar conversation. I am pretty sure someone can check my numbers on this. I think Scorsese is the most nominated living director. Oh, okay. And I think he's second or third of all time for most nominations for Best Director. He was nominated for Raging Bull, Last Temptation of Christ, Goodfellas, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, The Departed, Hugo, and The Wolf of Wall Street. He won for The Departed, which is far from his best movie. Mm-hmm. That, again, is one of those, how does this guy not have an right. Oscar yet? Let's finally give Martin Scorsese an Oscar. That happens a lot. And then, of course, other films include Taxi Driver, Main Streets, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, The King of Comedy, Casino. I, I could power this podcast for three months on Scorsese films, Scorsese yeah. films that you have not seen. A lot of these are on our list, including Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, King of Comedy. But what have you actually seen out of this extraordinary oeuvre? Very few things. <laughs> Uh, it's shocking. I've seen Casino. I actually love Casino. I didn't know you'd seen Casino. I really love Casino. Okay. Um, then you might like this movie. because Sharon I think... Stone's wardrobe, which is oh, fucking is fascinating. Okay. Well, uh, if that's the criteria. She sort of devolves into madness, but <laughs> it's wonderful. She looks amazing for, throughout the film. So I've seen Casino. I saw Hugo. Really liked Hugo. I love Hugo. That's probably my favorite Scorsese film, and it is, of course, an outlier yeah. in his work. It's just beautifully done, and it's such a sort of love letter to movies and, and the magic of film, so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that. And, and if you can convince me that 3D can actually be used artistically, that's yeah quite an accomplishment. Yeah. And then I saw The Departed. <laughs> you didn't care for <laughs> it all. <laughs> yeah. The rat stands for obviousness. Exactly. So... <laughs> Okay, so again, the year is 1990. This film was written by Scorsese and Nicholas Pileggi, adapted from Pileggi's 1985 nonfiction book, Wise Guy, about real-life mobster Henry Hill. Mm-hmm. And Henry Hill was kind of a mid-level guy with the Lucchese crime family. Um, I'm not going to tell you a lot about him now. We can talk about him after the film, because basically if I give you background on him, I'm going to be telling you the plot okay. of the movie. So let's leave that out for now. But it stars, as you said, Ray Liotta in his first major role. He had previously done a film I like very much called Something Wild, mm-hmm. Jonathan Demme's film. Uh, it's Melody Griffith and Jeff Daniels, which it starts out as this kind of screwball comedy. And then halfway through the movie, Ray Liotta shows up playing this very dark, very violent character. And that movie just takes this right turn (laughs) into being a completely different movie. Um, And it was on the strength of that performance, I think, that that Ray Liotta got Goodfellas. It also stars Robert De Niro, frequent collaborator and muse of Martin Scorsese, and Joe Pesci, who won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for his role in this movie. And this is a movie, I think, that it was critically acclaimed when it came out, but its reputation has only grown over the years since. Um, It was nominated for six Oscars. I think Pesci's was the only award the film actually got. Uh, It lost Best Picture to Dances with Wolves, (laughs) something else that waits on your list for you. Not looking forward to that one. Um, Which I think, in retrospect, a lot of people consider something of a travesty, the fact that that film beat Goodfellas. The New York Film Critics Association, the L.A. Film Critics Association, the National Board of Review, the Boston Critics, the Chicago Critics, and the National Society of Film Critics all named Goodfellas the best picture of 1990. Roger Ebert gave it four stars. He said it was America's finest filmmaker at the peak of his form. No finer film has been made about organized crime, not even The Godfather. Oh. Yeah. That's tough talk. Okay. (laughs) You liked The Godfather. I, you know. What you remember of it. Exactly. Because you were... Pretty drunk. Yeah. (laughs) Our fellow and much, much better known Chicago-based podcast, Film Spotting, (laughs) 
Uh, every year they do a March Madness inspired thing where they do a bracket, mm-hmm. you know, and people vote and narrow it down. Yes, I know what a bracket is. Okay. <laughs> no need to be snide as I mansplain sports brackets to you. Uh, but a few years ago, they did best films of the 90s mm-hmm. for their March Madness competition. And Goodfellas finished at number three, beating such contenders as Toy Story, Before Sunrise, The Matrix, and The Big Lebowski. Oh. Yeah. That's some tough competition. Okay. Uh, The final bracket was Pulp Fiction versus Fargo, and Fargo took the title. Mm, Yeah. I think this has been a very influential movie. Uh, For one thing, David Chase cites it as the direct influence on The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Um, He said Goodfellas was basically his Koran. Oh, okay. And if you consider the fact that The Sopranos, in turn, inspired the entire golden age of television in which we have been living for the past so many years. Broken bad men doing bad things. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh, Then I think, you know, this is an important (laughs) film. Okay, so what are you what are you expecting from this film? Um, well, if it's anything like Casino, I imagine I'll enjoy it. Is okay. there a beautiful woman wearing beautiful clothes? Uh, I'm actually not. I don't. There's only one woman I remember in this, and uh, she does not dress like Sharon Stone. Okay, well then I'm probably there not going to enjoy it as much. There may be other women. Yeah, no. I haven't seen this in a really long time. Okay. Um, Is there a car explosion? <laughs> Why would there be a car explosion? There was a car explosion in Casino. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Casino. We're not, I should be clarified, we're not actually watching Casino, though I think De Niro's in Casino. Is Pesci in Casino? casino. Okay, so. (laughs) Similar, but not the same. Is he also quick to violence and anger in this one? Uh, At this point, we don't know. Because I feel like that's all Pesci plays, really. I think that's accurate. I think that is an accurate. Well, my cousin Vinny, he he was just sort of scrappy, but. Okay, there's a lot more to talk about with this film, but I think all of it is better discussed after you watch the movie, so let's go do that. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I know I'd go from rags to riches. To me, being a gangster was better than being president of the United States. Never ran on your friends. Always keep your mouth shut. It meant being somebody in the neighborhood that was full of nobodies. Oh, you broke it, Jerry. Hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. By the time I grew up, there was $30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. And believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. You might know who we are, but we know who you are. You understand? Yeah. What kind of people are these? Life is blood, a dream. What do you do? I'm in construction. If we wanted something, we just took it. And you didn't even think about it. To us, it was better than Citibank. Nice. It's great, but nice. You've got some nerve standing me up. Nobody does that to me. Who the hell do you think you are? Frankie Valley or some oh. kind of big shot? I was living in a fantasy. Look at my heart. He's not Jewish. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Murder was the only way that everybody stayed in line. What are we gonna do with him? We can't just dump him on the street. You got out of line, you got whacked. Everybody knew the rules. Hey, Henry, here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. There's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, a leg and a wing, Henry? Okay, you ready? Sometimes I... For us to live any other way was nuts. Anything I wanted was a phone call away. <laughs> and we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's gonna be a good summer. <laughs> it was a glorious time. Okay, during the break, Nikki and I watched Goodfellas. Uh, Nikki, the first thing I wanted to ask you is. I didn't tell you going into this, mm-hmm. and I'm not even sure you noticed that this movie is two and a half hours long. I mean, I did notice eventually. Okay. But, yeah. Did it feel? Because I don't think it feels it like a super long movie. No, it's a pretty kinetic And film. you didn't complain about it. That's what no. surprised me. Yeah. Is at no point did you say, how much more do we have in this fucking movie? No. 
it's so fast paced and right. it's, it's just so zippy. Yeah. It just moves along that I don't think it feels like a, a long movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially, I mean, that sort of last, I don't know, third or so of the film where we're basically going on a day with Henry Hill. His last day of freedom, right. basically. You know, where he's coked out and totally paranoid <laughs> about the health. So like, it just moves really quickly. Yeah, so it you does. Don't, it, you don't feel the time, really. I, we'll talk about that. I, I love the way it handles his being coked out, but let's talk about that when we get to it. Okay. Okay, so overall, what did you what did you think? What did you make of this movie? I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. I think, one, I don't know... And I would need to go back and look, and I meant to do this before we started. I don't know that I have seen Ray Liotta. He's... He hasn't had a huge career. The only thing I can think he of. He works a lot, but he hasn't yeah. had a lot of big starring uh, roles. Is uh, Karina Karina, that film with him and um, oh, Whoopi, with Whoopi Goldberg. Goldberg. <laughs> which I've I actually about that. like that movie a yeah. lot. I think it's a yep. great movie. That's probably one of his rare, nice guys. Yeah, it's, it's a totally roles. different vibe for mm-hmm. him, right? So this is sort of my first experience of Ray Liotta, as probably everyone else sort of imagines him to be. Right. And I thought he was just brilliant and just smarmy and gross, but still... He's just a very electric presence on the screen. Yeah. Um, That's what that movie I was talking about, Something Wild. Mm-hmm. And nobody knew who he was at that point. He might have made another couple of other little movies. Mm-hmm. But basically, that was his big debut. And when he comes on screen, electrifies is a good word. Yeah. It just gooses that movie yeah. in a totally different direction. He's just got that energy. He's amazing. And there's this. there's one scene, and it's such a sort of small moment. It's after he has moved his girlfriend, Janice, into her new (laughs) tacky-ass apartment. And she's sort of showing the apartment off to her girlfriends. Yeah. And they're all in the bedroom together. And he's sort of, you know, roughhousing with her on the bed. And then she gets up. And he gets off the bed. And he's, like, staring at her friend, played by Debbie Mazon. And there's this just moment between He looks so... Like, I can't even describe it. It was just a really just powerful, just super sexually charged moment. And I was like, oh, like I looked at Ray Liotta a little bit different in that moment. Like, that, oh. kind of, that kind of did it for me, didn't <laughs> like, Hey, how you doing? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, I said before we, before we watched the film that I would tell you about the real guy. And mm-hmm. then I realized looking at my notes, I sort of don't have to. I mean, because the movie there. is yeah, pretty... Yeah is pretty faithful to the story of the real Henry Hill. You know, they made a few changes. There's a couple of characters. They changed the names. But basically everything that's in the movie really happened. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how it all happened. A lot of his lines are right in the movie. You know, he said at the age of 12, my ambition was to be a gangster. Mm-hmm. Like that's, he looked around his neighborhood. That's who he saw. That's what power looked like. You know, he started working his way up, running numbers and loan sharking, advanced to arson and hijacking, and then eventually, you know, wholesale drug dealing and everything else that we see in the movie. He did become an FBI informant in 1980, helping to secure 50 convictions of all of these guys that he had worked with. Uh, He did go into witness protection with Karen. He kept having problems with drugs. He kept getting arrested. (laughs) He apparently repeatedly would get drunk or coked out of his head and blow his own cover. Like, he would just have a party and he'd say, oh, and I'm the guy from Goodfellas. Nice. And, like, tell his story. And eventually they kicked him out of witness protection. (laughs) They relocated him a couple of times. And then they're like, fuck it, we're not doing this again. (laughs) Because you're just going to run your mouth. (laughs) And he became kind of a minor celebrity. He opened a restaurant called Wise Guys. He published books. Uh, one of them was called A Goodfellas Guide to New York, Your Personal Tour Through the Mob's Notorious Haunts, Hair-Raising Crime Scenes, and Infamous Hotspots. Uh, and he published a cookbook, The Wise Guy Cookbook, My Favorite Recipes from My Life as a Goodfella to Cooking on the Run. <laughs> Sprinkle a little Coke. And that improves every recipe. I mean, everything tastes amazing at that point. But, you know, be conservative. Because sure. you can You can always put you more. Over-coke. You can always put more yeah. in, but mm-hmm. you can't take it out. So. Yeah, it's like salt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me about your reaction to this. Like, And this is a question I have in general for this movie, and even more generally for a lot of Scorsese movies. Okay. Are we rooting for this guy? Do we like this guy? <laughs> Do we have anyone to root for in this story? Um, I mean, he is the quintessential anti-hero. Mm-hmm. I think there are moments when we're supposed to 
when he's probably the closest thing to an audience surrogate that we have in the film. Right. When um, Jimmy and Tommy get a little too stabby <laughs> or shooty and, <laughs> and you sort of see Henry recoil a little bit yeah. and sort of discussing like, oh, what the fuck's going on? So there are sort of just those small moments of him questioning a little bit of what he's gotten mm-hmm. himself involved in and the sort of morality of it. But there's never really any um, sign of sort of remorse or regret about what he was involved no, in. No, there's so, fear maybe, yeah, but, there, it's but it's not, not yeah. right. I mean, Scorsese starts the film at the exact pivot point mm-hmm. where things stop being fine. Right. It's that murder of Billy Bats. Mm-hmm. Who, he was a made uh, guy. <laughs> he was a made guy. And again, this is all real. He was a made guy with a Gambino family. It happened much as they show it in the film, although I think the real murder was a couple days later from the encounter in the bar. Mm -hmm. And they apparently had other reasons to kill him. It wasn't just Tommy being pissed off. off. He was out of prison and was going to like reclaim some turf Mm -hmm. that he had held before he went to prison. And they knew that and they had to get rid of him. But yeah, it was, you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) But I love that Tommy was like, I didn't mean to get blood on your floor. Yeah, that's what Tommy feels bad about. We'll we'll talk about Tommy. But yeah, that is the moment in this arc where however fun you thought everything Mm -hmm. was, however much you were attracted to the lifestyle... That's the moment when everything right. starts to go wrong. Well, there are a few rules in that world, and you just broke yeah. one of them. So, And he said, Hill said, that that moment haunted him all his life. Mm. You know, he had seen other guys kill, but that was different, and that, that was yeah. the worst thing he ever witnessed up close. Mm-hmm. And Scorsese, again, starts the movie there. It's like, okay, <laughs> here's the peak, and now we're going to go back and show you how we got there, and then we're going to show you what happens after. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, the first, then we go to his childhood and mm-hmm. all of that. And then it is sort of a rags to riches right. story. Always wanted to be a good fella. Always wanted to be a gangster. That's I think mm-hmm. that's one of the first things he says. And as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be a gangster. And he talks about how being a gangster was better than being president. Yeah. You know? And he talks about how the organization was basically, the government was basically the police. Mm-hmm. That that's, they ran the neighborhood. They took care of everybody. They protected everybody. That's the world he grew up in. And that's who his heroes were. Were right. these guys with names like, you know, Jimmy Two Times. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Roast Beef. I don't know what the fuck these guys' names are. (laughs) I had a lot of thoughts watching it this time. And one of them is how you, many times as we've watched these movies, it came up in Rocky. It's come up in a bunch of movies. You've talked about this sort of blue-collar, white guy Mm -hmm. entitlement. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is, it's not even, sub. I mean, that's a blatant theme yeah. that Scorsese deals with in this movie is, you know, he says it outright several times. Karen at one point says, right. what are these they were blue collar yeah. guys. The only way they can make some money is by money. cutting a few corners. Yeah. They weren't going to go work that's in an office. That's how they justify everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, definitely sort of playing into that trope of, and again, it's it's sort of all wrapped up in this idea of, right, the American dream. And now we're talking about Italian, well, Italian and Irish immigrants who are sort of trying to get a foothold into this country and sort of get a piece of that pie that everyone else seems to have. So, you know, if you find yourself sort of outside of the mainstream skill set, then you got to, you know, <laughs> you got to make it work however you can. And your, your sort of worth is tied up in all of that. And where it is valorized in certain communities, it turns into a sort of pathology, right, in black and brown communities. Well, so that was my other thought right, watching yeah. this, is yeah. if you make this movie with, in a black community... Yeah. then it's a problem. You know, yeah. is the guy going to be selling cookbooks 20 years later? No. Yeah, no, Is not he going to be this folk hero? That guy would have died in jail. That's, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they say that in this movie. Do they? I think at one point he tells Karen, like, I'm not going to go to jail. You know who goes to jail? Oh, yeah. He says the N-word, I he believe. He says the N-word, yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that fall asleep <laughs> at the wheel at, um, at, like, the stakeouts or whatever. But, yeah, so. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. They're smarter and better. So I mean, so this is what fascinates me and sometimes troubles me about Scorsese's movies. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot of the movies... In particular, I think it's this one and The Wolf of Wall Street, which you haven't seen that. No. But it's it's basically this movie without the guns. Okay. Because it's about financial. Right. Clean stealing. Right. <laughs> DiCaprio's character in that movie makes way more money. Right. But basically, he's the same. he has the same sort of arc. Yeah. And Scorsese does make it look not fun, 
but... There's an appeal there. There is an appeal. Yeah. And he's aware of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I found a quote from him. He said... He said, and he's talking about Goodfellas, he says, The film shows the attraction of the lifestyle, and then it starts to pull away, and Henry begins to pay for it. Anyone who wants to live that lifestyle after seeing this movie, it's beyond me. But you have to be adult enough to admit that there is an enjoyment and exhilaration in that life. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, where do you, I was curious to hear where you think it comes down on that line. Because it's walking a very fine line between glamorizing right. and criticizing. Yeah. This lifestyle. And you can't control for the audience because... They're going to take away whatever they're right, going to Right, they're going to, you know... Right. And again, this guy becomes sort of a folk hero. Yeah. I don't think that's the point of the movie. No. <laughs> but it's hard, I mean, it's hard not to get caught up a little bit in the romance of it. Um, I think Karen at one point says, you know, when she first marries Henry and she's sort of hanging out with the other mob wives and she's like, what the fuck is this? Like, these people are crazy and they dress tacky yeah. and they talk poorly about their kids. You know, I will, you know, never be a part of this. And then as she gets into it, you sort of surround yourself in that lifestyle and the sort of morality or lack thereof mm -hmm. of, of that organization it becomes normal right. to you so i think part of the, the audience is sort of feeling that as well like we ha we're with these people this is these are really the only group of people we experience for these two and a half hours yeah so it sort of becomes and the only normal. people she says the only people she, she ever spends time with she says we don't go anywhere right. else except in this world so and it's hard to see a scene for example the copacabana scene yes which is a phenomenal tracking uh, shot probably the most famous long tracking it's just shot amazing he takes uh karen to the copacabana for a date night they enter through the service entrance and the camera just sort of follows them through the service entrance and through the kitchen and then the sort of out the back of the uh copacabana sort of main room and then they get their own table brought to the follows front. The, t the camera it follows, follows the, the table. table. It's a wonderfully shot. They sit down, then it moves. And he's just passing out Penny tips Yugmans. left and right, yeah. just tipping and tipping and tipping. So it's hard to see something like that and walk away and be like, oh, this is, I would never want to experience anything <laughs> like that. You know, the same sort of um, feeling of importance. Yeah. You know, we all, everyone wants to feel important. Everyone, everyone wants to feel as though they have privilege in a space. Again, especially if you come from a working class, low income background, like that's what you want to be that guy that has the money and has the juice, right? Yeah. I think it only turns when they get deep into the cocaine and then it becomes grotesque right. and just ugly. And so that's maybe as an audience where we say, oh, this is sort of terrible. But then we get that last shot of Henry Hill after he's entered witness protection and he's staying in some like terrible suburban subdivision somewhere. <laughs> and he has this look on his face like, like it's almost worse than jail. Because yeah, he's no longer connected to anything. The last line of the movie is something about how now I'm a regular right, schmuck, I'm a schmuck like everybody right, else. Yeah, so, you know. Fate worse than death. Right. But that, so much stuff to talk yes. about. <laughs> that tracking shot, and, and this is where Scorsese is just so good. You know, everybody talks about that, and it's a brilliant technical yes. shot. Mm -hmm. But then you also get into the form follows function thing, because that is, we are going on that journey with Karen. Everything you just described is the moment that she buys into yes. all of this, too. Yeah. So it is really her sort of going... Belly of the beast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's brilliant. The whole movie is brilliant that way. And I love that he, she's like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm in construction. I'm in construction. <laughs> and you don't ask any more questions because you don't want to know. Right. He's like, never right. <laughs> just Okay. Like, never that's, mind. that's good. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about Karen. I fucking love Karen. <laughs> This is Lorraine Bracco. She was nominated <laughs> for this part. Yes. I think she matches Ray Liotta mm -hmm. tit for tat. I think they are a really just awesome pairing. They are volatile and sort of perfectly believable as a married couple. They have gotten to the point where you're staying together because you're just in too much shit together at this point. Mm -hmm. Somebody says of her at one point, she might kill him, but she won't divorce him. But she him. won't divorce him, right. Yeah. And, like, and it, we, like, that was my great-grandma. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we all have that couple in our family, if not more than one. So, you know, quint she, did, she did finally divorce quintessential him, Quintessential ride or die bitch, right? Like, I'm here. <laughs> so, I mean, anybody that wakes you up straddling you with a gun to your face, <laughs> that's true love. That's your sex. She is. That's in your it sexuality, right there. It was a little hot. It was a little bit hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is revealing my, you know, feminist bona fides here. Right. So when you like takes the gun from her uh, and just, like tackles her to the ground and just like, oh, that's all right. That's <laughs> 
But no. So I think Lorraine Bracco is wonderful when she says, when they're still sort of in their honeymoon phase and he's leaving and she's sort of gotten accustomed to the lifestyle. And, and she's like, I need to go shopping. And he's like, how much do you need? And instead of saying a dollar <laughs> amount. my favorite. She just like. <laughs> she holds her fingers about four inches apart. <laughs> I fucking love I it. I need that much money. I want to be the chick that's like, how much do you need? This much. <laughs> I need this much. <laughs> you married the wrong dude. I really did. I really did. But it's like, that would be my fucking dream right there. Be like, oh, this much. Um, so yeah, I like I just found her immensely entertaining, and I thought the two of them together were really powerful. I mean, toward, you know, when you get towards the end where they're both sort of coked out, which and- is something. This is what I started to say about that is we never see it happen. No, we see him take coke a couple of times. Yeah. But other movies, that would be such a big thing. We would linger on his descent into drug addiction. And we would linger on her getting into it. Mm -hmm. And it... She, it just sort of happens yeah. without our noticing it. Yeah. We realize that she she's hooked to. At some point, she says something like, I need a hit. I need a hit, yeah. And even that last day, he is coked out, but we don't, again, we don't see him shoving coke up his nose every mm-hmm. five minutes. Mm-hmm. We just, it's in the performance. It's in his slightly too watery eyes. Right. Just and sweaty his and just, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that scene after the agents raid the house... And, she, and Karen flushes all the cocaine <laughs> yes. down the toilet, which I probably would have done too. Right. Um, <laughs> so, but he gets back and he's like, okay, well, where's the cocaine? He's like, well, right. I I'm going to sell it. the rest of that cocaine I hid. And he just freaks like, why would you do that? <laughs> and they sort of crumple together in the corner yeah. and sort of cry and hug together because they know that they are just fucked, but they're <laughs> fucked together. It's a really <laughs> sort of beautiful moment. <laughs> Okay, so not I don't want to take the fun out of this, sure. but we should. Yes. And, I mean, Lorraine Bracco has said that she had arguments on set with Scorsese and Ray where they were like, you know, no, he totally loves Karen. They're, they're totally in love mm-hmm. and everything. And she was like, I think of her as an abused wife. She is an abused wife. That's how yeah. I'm playing She's her. She's absolutely an abused wife. Yeah. That is an emotionally and physically abusive She's relationship. She's completely dependent on this guy. She's yes. completely cut off yeah. from anything else. I mean, that's it's it really is all right. textbook. He loves her in the way that, you know, you love a possession. Like, she's part of a picture. You mm-hmm. need the good, you know, Jewish wife and the kids and the whole thing. But, no, I mean, he's cheating on her left and right. And he's mm-hmm. physically and emotionally abusive. And he's also not healthy enough himself to actually love anyone. Right. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> I joke that it's a beautiful relationship. It is absolutely not a beautiful relationship. Let's be clear about that. I mean, once you see your boyfriend pistol whip somebody and then hand you the bloody gun to hide... <laughs> You should probably go ahead and. But that's what she says. She says a lot of a lot of women would have been out right then. And she was. She found it very. Yeah. She found <laughs> exciting it a turn on. And, and a turn on. All right. Let's talk about the uh, the boys. Okay. Who's first? Well, let's let's start with Tommy. I mean, Tommy. De Niro's De Niro's always good. His character is not as interesting to talk about. I mm-hmm. don't think. But Pesci's character Tommy. is interesting. So it's pretty much what I suspected, which is that Tommy is. Basically, the character that he played in Casino, which is, he's like a chihuahua. <laughs> you know, those little runt dogs that are, they're the loudest, but they're the smallest. And it's just like, you're, you're, you're punching out of your weight class. So, yeah, Tommy is <sighs> volatile. Yeah, that's a good word. Uh, <laughs> Tommy is not, I can see his value <laughs> on the crew. Because you need somebody who's ready to shank a dude in a trunk 12 times. Uh, yeah, I, mm, I don't know about I mean, that. the work calls for it, right? The, but the work calls for it in a right. The trick calm, is right. The trick is that you have to be able to rein that in way. and control it, and you cannot. You just won't be able to control Tommy, and not for long. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, they make a point of saying that Tommy is the Italian. Yes. So Tommy's the one that can be a made guy, mm-hmm. um, which neither De Niro nor right with their Irish Leota blood can be right. But even with that, it's like, I'm not sure I would keep... This is, again, your cardinal rule. What's your know cardinal your rule? Know your crew. Know your crew. Know be your able crew. to trust your crew. Tommy is a loose cannon. Tommy is... You have to watch Tommy. Yeah, so, I mean, he is sort of the catalyst for things turning to shit. I mean, the bats murder was all Tommy's ego. Yeah. Um, and so he basically stomped the dude out on the... Go get your fucking shine box. It was, it was rough. Um, <laughs> which, here's the thing. Here's... Here, okay. 
So this is how Tommy is sort of like a black mother. Oh, okay. If you say something <laughs> and the black mother turns to you and says, what, what What did you say? Do not repeat what you said. Like, don't I didn't, don't double like, down on I it. I didn't say anything. I, I apologize for whatever you thought. I heard, you thought, I thought, you know, you, you heard me say, I apologize. I absolutely did not say anything. Can I get you some water? Can I get you some? Like, are you cool? Don't repeat it. <laughs> Because that's just escalating a situation that doesn't need to be escalated. Because you're never going to be... Tommy's always at 10, and you're just never going to be there. So, you know, you got to respect Tommy and just don't say anything. So I, I guess... So I think the first sense we get of that is the scene where... And it's famously quoted. It's the, you know... You think I'm funny? You think I'm funny? Yeah. Am I a clown to you mm-hmm. scene? And... It turns out he's pretend he's just fucking he's with right. him. But it's real but for it a long fe- time. Right. And Ray Liotta takes it seriously because he knows Tommy yeah. is capable. That's where we get the first sense of what he's capable mm-hmm. of. And then it turns out to be a joke and everybody laughs. And then five seconds later, he hits he's busted the, a yeah. bottle over the restaurant yeah. owner's head. Yes. Because uh, he didn't want to pay his $7,000 bill. Right. Which, how dare you ask me to pay my $7,000 bill? <laughs> But Pesci is very good. He's, he's very good. He is, it's like a coiled snake. You know, yeah, you never quite know when he's going to go off. and Totally unpredictable. Any kind of small thing. I mean, that scene where they're uh, playing cards and he's sort of poking at the waiter. Spider. Spider, because he <laughs> yeah. wouldn't bring the drink fast enough. And he shoots him in the foot for like no fucking reason. <laughs> And it was like, hey, Tommy, that's not cool. It's like, why are you still hanging out with this person? Yeah. <laughs> that's the one you're like, well, we can't go out with him anymore because he doesn't know how to act. But this is what happens, and it happens again to Spider. The other guys egg Tommy right. on because they think You're going to let funny. him talk to you like that? Right. And, like, and then De Niro's like, I was just joking. Why did you take me seriously? <laughs> it's fucking Tommy. He's a psychopath. Don't joke with Tommy. But Spider, to be fair, did not follow your black mother rule. He did not. He, Spider yeah. said, why don't you go fuck yourself to <laughs> Tommy, Twice. which was not. This is after he's been shot in the foot. He says, "Why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy?" Which, granted, I understand his feelings exactly. He's, but no, that's when he's you justified. Yeah. But that's poor judgment. Yeah, on spiders get a house shoot to the head before you even realize what has happened. So don't do it. Just don't do it. I do love though, and this again is both he and Jimmy are fucking psychopaths. <laughs> the fact that they had bats in the trunk of the car. This is the greatest scene ever. And then went to Tommy's mother's house. <laughs> they needed a. They knife. needed a. Sh- no, they needed the shovel. They, oh, right, was it the shovel? To okay. get the shovel. And she's she's like, oh, I haven't seen you since long. Just come sit down and have dinner. They're sitting down having this cordial ass meal. He, he walks in covered in blood. He's like, She's oh, like, I hit a deer. Yeah. It's fine. It was a deer. And she has I'm like, going to fix you something. That, that's Martin Scorsese's mother, by the way. She's adorable with her glasses. <laughs> and then she starts talking about her weird ass art. And he's like, oh, yes, a dog facing one way and another dog facing another way. <laughs> and Ray Liotta's just sitting there like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> And both uh, Tommy and Jimmy are just talking like it's Sunday and we're having dinner and we're it's fine. I made us something to eat. And then Tommy's like, I gotta borrow this knife, Mom. I'm bringing it back. (laughs) And again, especially since we've seen that opening scene, so we We know know where where it's going. going He's gonna stab bats like 15 times because he's not quite dead yet. And then Jimmy shoots him like five more times. It's like it's done. It's over. What's well, wrong? you gotta make. They didn't make sure the first time. So yes, they are. The two of them are problems. <laughs> Anybody that's like, oh, we gotta go, you know, dig up this body that's been in the ground for six months, and they're laughing and joking about it while you're vomiting. <laughs> it's not your crew. You want a leg? You want a wing? Right. You- it's not. You're not in the same lane. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else? Uh, Oh, actually, back up on that. Okay. That was a good statement on gentrification, I realized. What was a good statement on gentrification? Because they had to move the body because condos were coming in. Oh, yes. Fucking gentrification, man. Yeah, fucks everything up. fucks everything up. I got to move my fucking body that I buried. that's our body burial spot. Come on, man. Okay, continue. (laughs) You want to talk about De Niro's character? I mean, I love having the opportunity to see De Niro in his earlier work because I feel I've seen sort of late De Niro, and not that any De Niro is bad De Niro, but I think... That sort of sort of mythos around De Niro mm-hmm. is something that you have to experience early. So like Raging Bull and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's, you know, there are points in this film where he's terrifying. Oh, yeah. And he is sort of the opposite of 
Tommy. Yeah. He's he's very calm. He he's kills you gently. Very polite yeah. and very businesslike. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, you sense he has no morals or affection no. of any kind no. for anyone. Yeah. But he seems like a nice guy. He's very, those are the ones you got to watch out for. He's very charming. And I think after the Lufthansa heist and all of that, and when uh, Henry is sort of on the outs with the rest of the crew, yeah. and he goes to meet Jimmy at this diner for breakfast, and Henry says something like, you know, the mafia guys are not going to let you know that they're getting ready to kill you. Like, they'll be as nice to you as yeah. ever right before they kill you. And that's sort of what who Jimmy is. Like, and that's very, what we see. Every It's all, yeah. hey, buddy, got very my arm around you. We're all laughing together. And he decides that you're a problem. And garrot you. Right. So, you know. Is that? That whole montage of the guys from the Just Lufthansa. coming up dead. Yeah. Well, you fucked up. You went out and bought a pink Cadillac, and I told you not to buy shit. <laughs> and then you went out and bought a mink for your chick, and I yeah. told you not to buy shit. So, you know, they asked for it a little bit. Know your crew. And that last moment with him, him and uh, with him and Karen. Yeah, that's a terrifying. That scene. was terrifying. Where he, you know, he says. He's, be, again, being really nice to her and, like, he's going to be helpful. And then he says, oh, you know, I got some Dior dresses, which is just, that's cruel. Don't bait me with Dior. Because you would, you would. I would be like, hell yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, well, if I go down the alley, I might get killed. I might get Dior dresses. But I might dresses. get Dior dresses. You would be torn. And it's just a really, again, another long shot of mm. we're with Karen as she sort of walks down this alley. And she keeps looking back at him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, it's go ahead, go further. ahead. a little further. Just go down. And she gets to the, you know, the sort of turn in the alley where she's supposed to go down and gets that feeling that many of us get when we're about to die. And she goes, <laughs> like, <laughs> Runs into her car. He's like, no, no, that's okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, do that another time. <laughs> and then ultimately, uh, Tommy does not end up so well. No, and that's, I mean, that's kind of sad. Because Tommy what? thought he was uh, going to go be somebody. He, Yeah, he was supposed to, he was getting made. Yeah, he was like, oh, I'm going to go get made. And De Niro was so excited for him that he was getting made. We were going to have a made man in the organization. That's mm -hmm. our friend. And he's supposed to call and let me know when it happens. And they shot Tommy no, in the we, face. We went another way with Tommy. So he couldn't be have an open casket <laughs> when he breathes. <laughs> That's some petty shit. <laughs> that is. Um. <laughs> oh, you just take off those big Coke bottle glasses his mother wears. She wouldn't know the difference. That's, that's cruel. <laughs> so, yeah, Tommy's Tommy's done. All right, and then the shit hits the fan. Shit hits the serious fan. Again, Henry has a, a bad crew. So he's been relying on Debbie Mazar's character to cook the coke and pack <laughs> Sandy, it up. Sandy, yes. As she descends into a serious addiction. <laughs> and uh, again, don't get high on your own supply. Really important rule. Very important rule mm -hmm. if you're going to be doing drugs. Covered this last week with Florida. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things, they're very, just in life in general. It's important. So she's becoming messy mm -hmm. and, you know, dramatic. And we can talk about sort of the trope of the liability and the danger of women in these films. Mm -hmm. You know, when um, Jimmy and Polly sit Henry down, it's like, you got to go back to your wife. You can't be, she's angry and she's coming to the house and she's causing right, problems. Right, we can't like, have that. Right? It's not because they care about the marriage, it's because this is an angry woman and she might say something or she might do something that could jeopardize everything else. Yeah. And Debbie Mazar's character is sort of the same thing. It's like, you, you know, you can't have her being messy and angry because she could write out the whole operation. And then the other woman in his life, his very just surprisingly chill babysitter, who is oh, like yeah. his coke mule, um, <laughs> is, you know, not great on the details. <laughs> and so when he says, you know, don't call the contact from the house because they could trace the number, she calls the contact <laughs> from the house and then says she can't get on the plane with the coke until she hat. has her lucky hat. <laughs> so you got to go get the bitch's lucky hat. So it's like this. I was I was actually unclear whether she was in on it. Whether she had been yeah compromised like by the FBI it's or possible. something at that point. It's possible, and that's why she calls from the house, and that's why she sends him out to get her hat. Um, or she could have just been a total flake. Either way, is uh, yeah. completely possible. Yeah. But yeah, that last day, that whole it's a rough sequence day. is great. It's a rough day. <laughs> I got to go pick up my brother. I got. Oh wait, well, that's weird. There's a helicopter. There's a helicopter hovering over me. my car, following me everywhere I go. Do I'm going to go coke. there anyway. Going to just take these guns, these silencers out in a garbage bag, uh, like a paper bag, and put them in the not very discreet. Silencers um, don't fit the guns. Silencers don't fit the gun. Do a little bit more coke. 
got to go home and start rolling the meatballs and cooking the steak. And you got to keep stirring the sauce. Keep stirring the sauce. Keep stirring the sauce. Do a little bit more Coke. Got to go <laughs> to Sandy's so she can cut the Coke and cut the Coke, whatever. Do a little bit more Coke. Fuck Sandy. And then, you know. Helicopter. 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 Mm-hmm. Go pick up uh, Karen. Karen sees the helicopter. Now, they're both freaked out. So, yeah, it was a it was a long day. Then Jimmy says, we're going to send you to Florida. Yeah. we got to have you go whack a guy. Mm-hmm. And he's never done that before. No. <laughs> So I'm probably going to die in Florida. Yeah. He says, if I go to Florida, I'm not coming back. So it's time to go to the FBI. Well, no, we can't do that because, I mean, what did... uh, Don't rat on your friends. De Niro said never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. That's the cardinal rule. Until you're about to die. That's the code Mm -hmm. by which we live. Until you're about to die. (laughs) The code. The code. Fuck the the code. Fuck the code. These are people that were ready to feed a dude to a lion in a zoo. (laughs) Okay? That's some serious shit. <laughs> so, mm-mm. time to go to the FBI. And you know what? Put me someplace warm. <laughs> that would be your one demand. That would too. be my one demand. <laughs> I'll tell you whatever you need to know as long as I can be in Hawaii. <laughs> this is something that Pelegi, the guy that wrote the book the movie was based on, said. Mm-hmm. He said, the honor code is a myth. He said, these guys betray each other constantly. And that, I think, is what this movie does. I mean, I do think it is sort of the antidote to The Godfather. The Godfather, yeah. The kind of Shakespearean romance of The Godfather. Um, This is Susan Linfield in the New York Times said, Forget the tragic, eloquent grace of Francis Ford Coppola's Godfather movies and the cheerful inanity of Jonathan Demme's Married to the Mob. Martin Scorsese's blood-splattered new film Goodfellas is a splash of ice-cold water in the face of a public grown drunk on romantic myths about the mob. Goodfellas is not about loyalty. It is not about justice or salvation. It is not about love or even sex. Goodfellas is about a far grubbier, simpler, more American obsession, how to make a buck. And that is really what it all comes down to. There is nothing romantic about this. There's no code of honor. They're not even, I mean, you talked about the appeal of the lifestyle. They don't even seem happy. No. And Karen says, you talked about that scene where she was looking at the other wives and stuff. They don't look good. No. She was like, they don't look healthy. They look kind of beat up. Nobody seems very happy. Mm-hmm. Nobody even has enough money. I feel like they're broke no, they're constantly all yeah, the time yeah. and worrying about money. They live high and then that money goes and they got to go out and get more. Right. Yeah. So it's not really that much better a lifestyle. No. And considering the fact that you have to worry about Tommy's going <laughs> to shoot you in the face or you're going to get fed to the lions, <laughs> it's 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 kind of worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think it's because this is sort of the. The the on-the-ground look, right, at the mafia, like where the Godfather was, we're looking at the Dons, and we're looking at the sort of top people in the organization. Mm -hmm. Like, they have sort of advanced out of that sort of grub work. Yeah. Like, they are sort of settled, and at this point, they're living mm-hmm. off of the shit that the other people this are This is something else Scorsese said. I saw an interview with him where he said he said something about wanting to make Scarface without Scarface. Right. That like, not everybody's that dude. Right. Like, that's one, a few dudes. Everybody else is just the organization that's getting the shit done. And when you're getting it, you're in the shit. And so it's yeah. not always, pre- you get enough to have, like, a nice car. You, you got a few nice disposable. Right. Nice suits and stuff. But, like, you're, you know, you're not going to be in the amazing villa, you know, in the same way way that the blue collar people that you sort of look down upon have to work paycheck to paycheck you got to work score to score and so that's just that's not a glamorous lifestyle Mm -hmm. you thought their house was tacky anyway it was tacky as shit (laughs) (laughs) i mean part of that is it's the 80s and the 80s were just bad for a whole bunch of people but it was all kinds of patterns on all the walls (laughs) and just retractable walls for the entertainment system and oh this table had to be flown in in two pieces two shitty ass pieces that just were not so yeah, no, they did. It was just that was all 80s and cocaine. It was just like you could snort the walls in that place. Whenever we watch movies from the 80s and 90s, you blame a lot of stuff on cocaine because they were high as shit. That stuff looks good when you're out of your mind. All right, any final thoughts on Goodfellas? No. I enjoyed it. We didn't talk about the music. I thought the um, the music was great. Oh, yeah. Scorsese's music is always great. And it, it's mostly diegetic music. Yeah. And it's all era appropriate. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I thought it was a really... Again, it's just... I, it's a very kinetic film. Really enjoyable. Yeah. I liked it. All right. Okay. So, uh, all in all, do you want to you wanna marry a maid guy? Um... 
Um, it's probably better to be the girlfriend, right? Do, do you think Debbie Mazar's character well, came not out of this Janice well? Janice was the well, Janice was the actual girlfriend. Debbie Mazar yeah, was like Janice the, got dumped before. <laughs> I mean, he dumped Janice for <laughs> Sandy. I don't think he did. I think he was still dating I Janice. Don't think he, I don't think. And yeah. Sandy was the cocaine girlfriend. Janice may have ended up in a meat truck somewhere. That's true. So no, I would. And no. Debbie Mazar definitely ended up in a meat truck <laughs> or fitted the lions or something. No. Cause I'm yeah I'm not that I'm not a ride or die chick like if you're doing some fucked up shit I'm not I'm, no I give you this much money to go shopping <laughs> and then the next day I'm walking for your dresses that don't exist. <laughs> That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Nikia, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that Glenn Close just got her seventh Oscar nomination. Yes. And that reminded me that you have never seen her first movie, which was also her first nomination. Mm -hmm. George Roy Hill's The World According to Garp from 1982. This is not a universally beloved classic. Okay. It is not particularly critically acclaimed. Why are we doing it? (laughs) But it features great performances from Glenn Close. It's Robin Williams' first movie. Okay. Uh, John Lithgow was Oscar nominated in a very interesting role in this movie. Oh, this is where he's the transgender character. Yes. Yes. Yep. And it is, for whatever reason, one of those formative movies of my childhood. Though it should not have been because I should not have seen this movie at the age that I did, probably. Okay. And mostly, I want to watch it because it is thoroughly weird in ways that I think will make it fun to talk about with you. Okay. If our listeners haven't seen The World According to Garp, it is available to rent on iTunes, Vudu, Google Play, and YouTube currently. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, where you can download earlier episodes, leave us a comment, find our contact info, or make a donation to support the unenthusiastic critic. Give us this much money. Give us this much (laughs) Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. You'd like to see me pistol whip some guy. I actually would not. I think you would. Here's the thing. I think you get your ass kicked. I'm Aww. concerned about your shit. And this is not, I, I'm not trying to ding your masculinity. You are amazing in a lot of ways. I do not think you, you can win think a fight. You don't pistol whipping is one of my skills? No. All right. We'll see. <laughs> now I'm going to have to find an excuse. <laughs>